Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that does not care whether or not you work at home. Because I do, and I'm Scott Phillips, and he does. And he is Andrew Page, the founder and managing director of a... Um, oh, God, I can't remember. It's a private online investment club, but I can't remember it'll the name come, it. It'll come to you. What's, there you what's go. What's the name of it? The- it's, it's an online private investment club. Yes. Strawman.com. Ah, that's strawman.com. I knew what it was. Yeah. I just couldn't remember the name. It's unusual. I know. I know. But, uh, you know, it's important. <laughs> it's important. How are you, buddy? One day. I'm very good. Very Excellent. good. Excellent. I will, I, will warn our, uh, I will warn our listeners in advance. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, un- unusually, because uh, tomorrow for us and yesterday for you is, of course, the public holiday for the day of mourning for the Queen's passing. And uh, whatever happens between Wednesday and, and when you're listening to this, we have no idea. Though, the US Fed... Is supposed to put rates up, mate. And the market was yeah. betting. And we're talking about this in advance, and it's always dangerous on a podcast because we know this is going to go out. So we won't. We won't make predictions, or maybe we we'll make two predictions. Just put whatever episode to, to air that works. That could see how we could do it. Um, <laughs> I like it. The expectation was somewhere between three quarters of a percent and one percent. Uh, and I read during the week the someone. I can't, it was one of the big kind of agencies or something said this is the largest synchronous tightening of monetary policy so let's break that down synchronous is in all at the same time tightening is in yep. pushing up rates largest yep. synchronous tightening of monetary policy in five decades Whew. and i again we turn to spend a bit of time on macro and again there's not much you can normally do with macro yeah i mean you can try and make some bets but i'll talk about that in a second by the way um i am i am not sure what to make of it other than when something happens for the first time in 50 years uh, it's either going to go really, really well or really, really badly, isn't it? Mm. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I, it's, here's the, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, it's it so easy to get. It's so easy to get doom and gloom. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think I think the actually the the rational level headed objective take is that it's it's a it's a precarious situation. It's hard. I mean, just zoom out a little bit here, and we'll just focus on the world's largest economy, the yeah, US. Yeah. I mean, they are and have been forever spending much more than they take in. The government has so much commitments, you know, huge military yeah, budget, yeah. massive pension liabilities, all the rest of it, normal public service uh, 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 commitments that it's made, and that costs a certain amount of money. Yeah. And they fund that with, uh, with tax. Uh, that's, that's how it works. It's just, it's just that there's a, there's a massive that des- yeah, deficit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> structural deficit that's been in place for forever. So the, the, the question is, well, where does the extra money come from? Yeah. Well, the extra money just sort of gets poofed into existence. <laughs> um, and that's, that's kind of cool too. That's not yeah. necessarily a problem, uh, except that it kind <laughs> of is. <laughs> because people have been saying this for decades, yeah. you know, yeah. oh, this is bad, this yeah. is bad. It's, it's, the, the analogy that's usually given is you, just, you, you max out a credit card mm-hmm. uh, with the NAB and then you get one from the CBA and then you use that to pay off that credit card and start <laughs> racking up on that. And then that one gets maxed out. Yeah, and you just, you just yeah. keep rolling it over. And so it's kind of like, and, and why is that not a problem? Well, it's not a problem if it's a, a response to a cyclical yeah, yeah. challenge. Yep. You know, it's some really bad going on. This is the time for government to step up and fill the void, right? The trouble is, is that when things get better, it's kind of like, well, we're kind of used to doing this now. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very easy for politicians to yeah, make com- spending yeah. commitments. Yeah. Very hard for them to turn around and say, well, we have to pay for this somehow. So I'm either taking money away from somewhere else or I'm going to tax you all more. Or Neither of those is... up debt, because you can. Or, option, or, raise, right? or raise debt. Exactly. And so the level of debt relative to uh, GDP in the US is as high as it's been for a God knows how long, very, very long time. Um, and so it's kind of like I think everyone gets. I think you could you could give a 
get a central banker to present the case to a bunch of U10 students, they're all going to get it and go, well, this doesn't seem sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's not, except that, except that these things can go on for very, very long periods of time. And this is always my refrain. So I, I think it's, it's very natural, normal, sensible to go, this is a problem. We should really look at structurally addressing this at some point. Mm. And it's just like, yeah, we'll get around to that later. And the old proverbial kick the can down the road is the easier kind of path to take, uh, particularly um, uh, politically. And so I kind of look at all of this and go, this is bad, um, especially when you layer on top of that geopolitical concerns and de-globalization, uh, um, de um, uh, you know, big, big um, uh, problems that are sort of COVID have perhaps uncovered or accelerated and all these other kinds of things and you put it all on top of it and go, well, that's just bad. It's just, it's just that it, 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 it could be, it could just be kicked down the, uh, the road down for another 10 years or so. I mean, look at China. China's in some pretty big trouble as well in a yeah. lot of ways, particularly the property sector. And then I remember having discussions when I was back at the floor with, with you guys. We sent Joe and Matt over there and they said, oh man, there's ghost cities everywhere. Like, would that be right? <laughs> yeah, right? I was like, wow, this, this doesn't seem this great. Go badly, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually think they were right. I actually think it could go badly. I think it probably will go badly. Like there's, a, there's an economic gravity at some point that sort of, you know, things need to come back to earth. But, but here we are almost 10 years later and they've so far managed to put it off. So this is, this is always the trouble. And Howard Marks makes the comment in his recent memo, which I encourage everyone to read, as I always do for all of his memos. They're great, um, which is just like, you know, it's just really hard to predict this kind of stuff. <laughs> and that's kind, of the, that's kind of the point, right? Because for all of those things, as you say, uh, maybe, maybe there is a time to pay the piper. But maybe that yeah. time is a long way away, or maybe, and look, yeah. frankly, with inflation being what it is, maybe the inflation pays the piper anyway because it kind of inflates the debt away to a point where, you know, yeah. at the moment at least, uh, the the inflation rate when when inflation is greater than interest rate, which it kind of is now. Think about government debt, right? Inflation is ten percent uh, if it yeah. gets ten percent, and, and debt funding is two or three percent. I mean, yeah, at some point, that's you know, the income we're all getting, assuming the, assuming the inflation turns to income, of course, which it will in time. Uh, mm. That's the that that's the get out of jail free card. That's happened quite a few times in in history. Uh, maybe maybe luckily maybe it is cause and effect, but it's it's hard to know. I um I am mindful, mate, that the RBA here apparently last month discussed maybe only increasing rates by a quarter of a point rather than half a mm. point. And we're going, yeah. going with half anyway. And since then, maybe before, but certainly since, Governor Philo has talked about the fact that the pace of increases might be reduced. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me that they are, and so that's now gospel. <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's just acknowledge. Let's just. All I want to say before interrupting you is this: like, Low or whoever's in the seat comes out and says something, and we all go, "Oh, that's what he said." And it's like, yeah. yeah, but the dude's been wrong a hundred times before, <laughs> not because he's an idiot, but because this is hard. But let's. Yeah, yeah. So let's like, great. I get the intent, and I'm really keen to see where you sort of see things. But let's take it for what it is, which is a best guess. That's that's the only point I want to make. I think that, well, the point I want to make, I suppose, is that they're doing different things in different directions. The US Fed decision, as, as I said, by the time this goes to air, others will know what the Fed decided to do. But somewhere between three quarters of a percent and one percent, um, which would be at best a maintenance or an acceleration of rate increases, while the RBA is doing the opposite. Uh, so it's it's just interesting to see how different and it Very. look that's in keeping with the inflation rate so it's it's fair. Yep. I am seeing by the way some uh, forecasters and economists. Stephen Kakoulis is the one I'm most aware of who's basically saying he thinks inflation is already on the way down, and so maybe this yep. is a short lived spike in rates, which is either necessary or unnecessary. It was going to happen anyway. Maybe it wasn't. Oh, if it was in his mouth, but 
maybe this doesn't go on for too long. I just thought it was interesting that while everyone's going up at the same time, the, the, the kind of the path of the trajectory looks a bit different in different parts of the world. And I don't know whether one will be right, one will be wrong, or whether they are both going to be right or wrong, but, but for different reasons, because there are specific economy-based reasons. We've been very lucky, mate, that, you know, the, the, the POMs are having 10% inflation, the Europeans are at 9 the Yanks are at 8%. If we finish anywhere less than that, we've just been stupidly lucky again. For, the, for, oh for all the talk about the lucky country, and for the <laughs> that, that was that so was supposed lucky. to be a you know it was supposed yeah. to be a um, a sarcastic comment, but I don't know who's I, start with start with the um, the floating of the dollars. Then, then you got the mining booms and and, and you know, Chinese growth, and uh, I mean I, we couldn't have been luckier in the last forty years economically. I don't think. Oh no, we are we are we are so lucky. Yep. We are so lucky, and we are so wealthy. I think Australians forget. I think we are in terms of our size. Yep. Um, we're one of the. We're really a nothing kind of country, honestly. Let's yep. let's just be real for a second. Yep, yep, but yep. we are we are we are, I think like thirteenth largest economy in the world. Sounds just right. really great to be bestowed with some incredible <laughs> mineral riches, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And and to right. be, be to very, Japan very, or someone else like that just don't, don't anything at all. So we just got we got born on the right on the right block, you know, lump of land, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's so, so lucky, in fact, that it can be completely mismanaged and we can still do very, very well out of it. So it's sort of there's there's all of that. The point I wanted to make though is that he, um, uh, I, we talk a lot about the US mm. because there's that whole phenomenon of you know the US sneezes, the rest of the yeah. world catches a cold. It, it, yep. It's interesting because it's sort of this big economy, but it, you know it's connected, right? And it yeah. relates to us. And and where where Governor Lowe has his hands tied a little bit is let's say he decides that for whatever reason, and maybe he's justified on local data to do this, which is, no, we're not going to increase rates anymore. And the US continues to plow ahead mm. and other major G20 countries plow ahead. The There is a, uh, a, a bigger and bigger interest rate differential, which without getting into the technicals, <laughs> because I'm going to get out of my own depth very quickly, <laughs> yeah. um, but I do know that the bottom the bottom line take-home message is, is that that's very bad for our currency, yes, right? Correct, correct. And for a country that, that exports commodities and imports all the cool stuff, you know, we don't, we don't make anything interesting here, barring a few notable exceptions. We dig up rocks, we, yeah. we grow animals and, and plants, and we ship that overseas, and we, we take in all the, you know, yeah, yeah. cars, yeah. electronics, all the stuff that we like, that we associate with first world living. Right, right. We don't make any of it here. So you talk about inflation, it's mm. kind of like, well, all the things we want are going to get a hell of a lot more expensive if the Aussie dollar's at 50 cents. Yeah, for sure. You know, now, and it's come back a lot already. I will already. say, though, it also will massively benefit our exporters. Yeah, that's but, true. And there's, and there's always, true. this is one of those things about it, the dollar, we'll get back to other stuff in a minute, but people say, how's the dollar? And, and you know, we have this, it's just stu- like humans are stupid. Like, I say it all the time. It's absolutely true, right? Higher must be better, right? It's like, well, <laughs> you know, as a high, as a, I'll go, the dollar's up. It's like, really? And if you said to people, every time, if you said to someone, you know, they say, how's the dollar? I said, up. oh, that's good. If you then said, why is that? Oh, I don't know. Biggest better than smaller, isn't it? Like, isn't that supposed to be a good thing? And it's not even necessarily. It, it is neither. I mean, it, partly it's we're used to thinking that way because we like going overseas, and you want more US dollars or, or, or British pounds for your, uh, for your for your Australian dollars. So you know, it, it gets just personally and selfishly, it makes sense. Uh, but cheaper a cheaper dollar is great for our exporters like it makes our exports mm-hmm. cheaper it makes them super competitive um that by the way and i mentioned the floating of the dollar and, and kind of the the whole thing that is one of the great advantages we have yes the us is the world's reserve currency that has its own mm-hmm. magic powers but yep. a floating exchange rate against a world price in us dollars is a super magic power like i don't say it's better or worse than having a reserve currency i guess on balance i'd probably rather the reserve currency i guess but oh, yeah, when yeah, but sure. when but when asset prices move or economies move the US doesn't get any value. When the oil price in US dollars changes, it just 
they get they, they can't they, they get no benefit or cost to that. The Australian dollar floating because it does against the US dollar. You just got this great almost magic thing where it's like okay, well, exports get more expensive, so we buy fewer of them. The stuff that we make at home is better value for us, so we buy more of that, and we sell more of our stuff overseas, so we get more of that. Economically, it boosts our output. Like it's a, it's a, it's not quite magic, but economically and, and kind of in terms of foreign trade, it's about as magic as it gets, right? Uh, yeah, wheels within wheels. That's <laughs> I spoke of getting out of depth, and this is where you get very quickly get out of depth because that, that's that's the case for every country that's not the US, right? Yes, correct. And yet the trouble is, is that it, as the reserve currency, it's what all international trade is sort of settled in. Yeah. And that requires that a lot of debt is sort of funded in that as well. Yeah. So what it what it does do for country... Now, we, again, been phenomenally lucky with our current account surplus, mm-hmm. with our, everyone needing our rocks and, yeah. and, and stuff, which has been great for us. But other countries where it's just like, well, we have to borrow in US dollars. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, our debt is much bigger, yes. regardless of what's happening yes. in interest yes. rates, because our currency has sort of collapsed. Uh, and the, you know, so I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, and and there are there are definitely advantages to that. But it it, it here's the other thing. I think the, the lobbyists have done an incredible job here of convincing <laughs> us all of how wonderful it is when the miners and the, and the extractors <laughs> do incredibly well. But they actually don't re- employ that many people. Yes, truth be I told. agree with that. Yeah, that's right. They they just don't. You know, so it's like if 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 Woodside, BHP, Rio, Fortescue mm. all start making super profits, well, great. Yeah. But I don't work in that industry. Yeah, Most people don't work in that industry. I'm not getting a pay rise as a consequence. Even of if you that. do so work in that industry, of, there's no guarantee you get the pay rise, right? Because we all know yeah. that you know, profitable, successful industries don't necessarily drive wage increases unless those workers are scarcer. So even in yes. that case, the workers themselves don't necessarily benefit. Yep. Yep. So, so I guess it, it all, all of this is to say it's complicated. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think, I think a lot of the time when you speak to the people who are more in the know with this stuff, it's mm-hmm. kind of like you can sort of get into the weeds. But I think one thing that business really wants more than anything, mm-hmm. okay, whatever, what's the dollar? 50 cents per US or a dollar? I, I don't, what I really want is, is, is some kind of clarity and stability. Yes, yes, that's, yes. What I, that's what I really, really, really want. Yeah. And and so, because I, I can plan around that, and I can adapt around that, and that helps me, uh, particularly if I'm trading internationally. I just it's so vitally important, and and I think where the danger sort of lies with potential for big interest rate differentials is that it just it big cloud of uncertainty and and, and shifting fortunes. Well, yeah, okay, great. One part of the economy will do really well as a result of that, but for a lot of others, it'll be very, very, very difficult. And. Uh, and, and I agree with a lot of economists that inflation will come down because a, a big part of it has been driven by um, supply chain issues yeah. uh, and the rest of it. And, and they, they tend to work themselves out and they are working themselves out. But I don't think it's ever going to get back to a baseline of 2 to 3% anytime soon. So it's kind of one of these things where it's run up massively, as you say, double digit yeah. figures in, yeah. in the UK. It's, it's insane. Yeah, it'll peak. And people here, oh, it peaked and it's coming down. They hear, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> but don't think it's going to get back to 2 to 3%. In fact, no one will admit this, but don't think that the central planners and the, and the, the, the powers that be want it to get back to 2 or 3% <laughs> because they could need to pay down this debt somehow. You know, and, it's, and, and the other thing, I know I always rabbit on about this, but I saw a fascinating study. I think someone posted it on Twitter the other day, which led me down the rabbit hole. But the... The the US and the UK in particular mm. are really well, better thought of as poor countries with some really rich people in it yeah. because the growing wealth divide there, I mean, the, the, the number of people in poverty in, in somewhere like the UK actually exceeds what you might see in some Eastern European countries mm. and others mm. that are considered to be far less 
wealthy. Yeah. It's all we mask. We we get so much which is masked by that disparity. I think the same is true here. Mm. And you will. I've got friends on both sides, depending on sort of where they work and their personal situations. <laughs> They've never had it better. Like COVID was great for them. Yep, kept my yep. job. Yep. I'm in programming. I can name my price. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've got a few investment properties. Mm-hmm. Properties been going through. It's yeah, just like yeah, this is the yeah. golden era, yeah. right? And then I've got friends who are teachers who are just like, this sucks. This really sucks. And I can't afford it. I don't own a house. And it's just getting harder and harder and harder. And I think think there's some some really big problems sort of bubbling away underneath the surface there. It explains Trump. It explains Johnson. It explains, you know, economics and politics are two sides of the same coin. And so we should be careful to to be wary of all of that, I guess. I like it, mate. It's um, way off on about four tangents. On no, tangents no, it's, there, it's, but. it's it's super useful. This is this is the world we live in, right? This is the challenge of trying to work out what what comes next. Um, mm. Speaking of that, you mentioned when mining companies make a lot of money, and and we saw during the week uh, the the treasurer have to do a very 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 <sighs> delicate tightrope walk, where normally if he'd been a if he'd been the treasurer for the last seven years, he would have said, "How good am I? I just found fifty billion dollars. You're welcome, Australia." Yeah, but there's two things happening. Firstly, he's not the uh, he's yeah the incumbent treasurer. He's not he's not the he's not been a long term treasurer, so he doesn't necessarily want to give too much credit to the old guys. Uh, but also, uh, and this would be the case regardless of whoever's in power, the future is not going to look quite as rosy as the past. So, mm-hmm. Treasurer Chalmers this week, a uh, couple of things. So you mentioned company tax. Company tax revenue has gone through the roof. Mm-hmm. Personal tax revenue, because we're all employed, has gone mm-hmm. through the roof. I say all, and mm-hmm. I know no one's employed. Uh, Welfare payments have gone down because more of us are employed. Mm. Even COVID support hasn't been necessary because as much as we're still in some sort of pandemic, endemic, call it what you want, uh, I, don't, I don't suggest we're post-pandemic, we're not. Uh, although maybe at some point we're post-pandemic, but endemic, so work that out. But uh, yeah, $50, 50 billion all of a sudden just popped into the Australian government's bank account. They went, oh, oh, that's good. But don't get carried away. I'm not going to spend it. And I, I, it was just, it's just a, I, I mean, you know, if you, if you like your Schadenfreude, then I guess you can get excited about this just because it's one of those things where a treasurer who normally would be so excited about finding money also knows things are going to get worse. And when everyone's saying, well, you've got a lot of money, spend it now. He's like, well, no, that, that's the one off. That's, that can't continue. We're going to have more problems. Um, yeah. it's, it's, I hope he does hold his fire, by the way, because we have seen in the past other governments who, and it was a Liberal National Government, but with absolute Labor support back in 2000. Seven, I think it was. It was seven, actually, because it was the Kevin 07 win where before that election, John Howard and Peter Costello had effectively locked in one-off mining tax windfalls as permanent income tax cuts and Labor backed the same thing and supported it through both pre- and post-election. So we've been there, right, where companies or companies, governments have have taken those windfall gains and said, well, you can all have the money permanently. And frankly, that is the origin, uh, to get a little bit political, a little bit historical, that's the origin of 15 years of structural budget imbalance. If either or both parties had had a bit more, I'll say gen- generously foresight or, or maybe less genuinely guts and, and responsibility, mm. uh, we wouldn't have the issues we have today. But that's what Treasury Chalmers has got to try and do, mate. Got to try and say, yeah, the money's there, but you can't have it because it's not going to be there for long and this will get worse. Uh, delicate dance for a treasurer. It is because... It's how the world is. Although I, 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 hearing you talk and reading the stories that were out this morning about it, I kind of think he's just. T- what's wrong with telling it like it is? But that's what he did. Which is, yeah, which is I know. But and I, but but it's funny because the journalist journalistic take is, oh, oh, oh look at this. Oh, he's like walking a fine line. Like no, he's just he's treating us like adults. Yeah. And he's just basically saying, yeah, this is great. No one's no one's complaining about this extra money. But but you know, it's it's a. 
uh, we, we just had we just had a good period, and it won't last. There is a structural deficit underneath it, so we've got to be mindful of that. I'm going to be prudent. I'm going to do all the things that I would want a, yes. a fiscally responsible yes. treasurer to do, um, or at least you know we'll we'll find out what actually happens. We'll see if we <laughs> blow it all. But but yeah. in terms of what he's saying, I, I kind of think that. That is absolutely the right approach. But I think that's why and it's a tightrope, mate, because there is that political pressure, right? There is the, the the media, the public, and, you know, reasonably. Hey, we've got $50 billion. We're doing it tough over here. Can't we keep the petrol excise? Can't we do this? And you're right. We, he has absolutely teaching us adults. But yeah. I've got to say, politically, mate, that's an unusual thing. And it's unusual generally because of craven self-interest and, frankly, from whichever mm-hmm. side is, is you know, uh, because, you know, the, the party in power wants to be re-elected. The other party wants to make it seem like there's some sort of hoarding going on and money's being taken away from the Australian people and it's our money anyway, tax revenue is our revenue and surely we could have a tax mm. cut. And, and those things, you know, that, that's why it's a tightrope. Not be, I'm not trying to be clever about it, but it's just that sense of, you know, it is so hard to do because of those pressures that come to bear for any treasurer at any time uh, where, yeah. and again, I'll, I get my bag Peter Costello before, I'll give him some credit as well. He, during his time as treasurer, had to stand pretty firm against some backbenchers of his own party who said, well, we could probably win the election if we threw more money over here. And, and Labor, similarly, mm. coming up to an election, could have promised everything to try and get elected. Um, yeah. Self-assurance is not, it's not a common political trait, but it, you know, it is important and it's a difficult thing to do with the vested interests all arguing for their slice of pie, making what on the surface seem credible arguments, even if it is a bit of sleight of hand. It's difficult because we assume everyone's dumb and we dumb everything <laughs> down and we play to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. And I just, I, it depresses me so much, <laughs> you know? It's, you don't think they have to, though, because that's what actually does work. I mean, think about some of the elections of the past 10, 15 years. Isn't, hasn't it been the, the please explain Pauline Hansons and the, you know, if I, if I, you, you made the point about Trump and Johnson. I mean, that, that would be the ultimate counterpoint to your exact challenge there is, well, if they weren't mm. dumb, maybe they wouldn't have voted for Trump in record numbers. Yeah, that's, but, that's but the, then I think there's just a lack of leadership and spine and vision. Oh, that's and, true. And just, we, you know, like I, I don't <laughs> yeah. think like you, you could, you could talk um, in uh, a, a economic sort of jargon and terms and just lose everyone. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. Kind yeah. Of the Classic yeah. John Hewson and the and the and the yes, birthday exactly. cake sort of yes. story, yes. right? Yeah. An incredibly yep. intelligent man um, who had a really good plan. Yep. I mean, yep. let's yep. not forget GST came through, and I think everyone agrees it was a great idea. Yep. Just couldn't sell it because he tried to get too technical. So yep. I mean, it's like just saying, "Oh, to be good at golf, you just have to hit a hole in one." So I get, <laughs> I get, right. execution is is something yeah. entirely, yeah. but yeah. it is not. It is not beyond yeah. anyone of average <laughs> intelligence yeah. for Jim Chalmers to get up there and say. Hey guys, I tell you what. Here's our options here. We can spend all of this. We can spend like drunken sailors. We can give you. We can pay for all of your petrol. We can give you all free this, free that. And I tell you what, the long term consequences is is we all go down together, and yeah. we're all yeah. broke, and we have hyperinflation. And welcome to Weimar Germany. You know, it's just sort of like this. This is why we have to. We we have to be a little bit responsible. Like you don't yeah. have to. You don't have to have three PhDs in economics to sort of get the bigger picture. And then and then you better say, but but hey, look, let me give you something bit of vision here something to aspire to something to be happy about because if we are a little bit sensible about this we can actually make some really great investments that make mm-hmm. us all very very well off we can make sure that no one's left behind we can make sure that we've all got adequate safety nets for our health for our education mm-hmm. things that are going to lay the foundation for the future this is what our vision is this is what we're going to do we're not going to make give you a slight discount on your petrol today because we're going to be making investments over here that will make sure that your kids and your grandkids get a better life and just you know like Again, I can't do it, and that's why I'm not in politics. Yeah. <laughs> but it just it's, it depresses yes, me because you do see that. in history every now and again someone comes along and they just 
across the divide they cut through these partisan lines they 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 paint out a picture they they talk to us the public and treat us with respect and and um and give us credit with with you know average intelligence and common sense to cut through it or where they get tied up in knots and where the where the populists get such advantages because on the other side of the aisle they're so gun shy to actually Mm -hmm. say anything they get trapped into that they get pulled into that game, which they're never going to win by playing the populist game. Mm. Um, <laughs> so what, what's, I don't know. What am I saying here? <laughs> if there's anyone out there... You're saying with conviction, and I appreciate that, mate. Yeah. I just, you know, I wish I wish for a yeah. better world. No, I think... And that is the point. That's, I actually agree with you. I have, I have hopes that a, a reasonable, decent government with conviction and something worth saying and a reasonable opposition who fights on arguments of policy and um, national interests rather than gotchas yeah. and whatevers. On merits. Yeah, you know, and, that's, and I've got to say, that's what we used to have, right? Like, I think, you know, pre... pre I don't know if we know what year now, but, you know, regardless of which side of the political spectrum you sit on, Hawke, Keating and Howard were conviction politicians that mother doesn't make anymore. Uh, you know, they, they were people who believed in what they did, believed in what they said. And Houston, Fort Worth, and Kim Beasley in opposition, two of the best mm. PMs we never had, uh, in my view. Yep. Um, you know, uh, so politi- it's completely, uh, you know, bipartisan or, or unpartisan, unpartisan. Uh, mm. You know, it, it, I think you can absolutely say that. I think these days, you're, to your point, the focus group push around of kind of, you know, maybe they'll like it, maybe the pundits won't like that, don't scare the horses, maybe we'll get elected if we have a small target. That, that's why I think it's the tightrope for Jim Chalmers to walk is to make sure he can do that because if he does it badly, frankly, yeah. we're back to that again, right? If he if he can't get this message across and the, the opposition or the media or someone else says, we should have our money back and all of a sudden the polls say, 90% of people say, you know, we want our money back, uh, it's not going to take, you know, the government's going to fold pretty quickly, right? Because the, the, the politics yeah. is going to trump, trump policy pretty fast. I Mate, hope they on. do. I th- you know a real quick moment on that? I think a yeah, really good example in recent history was when Bant said, Google it, mate. Yeah, that was good. To, wasn't it? to the answer, that was and it, great. That, it goes on every that news. Was, that, you know, such it was good, on so it, just such a good ex- answer too. By the way, like such a clever, it clever answer. Exploded. Yes, now yes, he could yes. have played the game. Yes, he could yes. have been the classic politician. Yep, yep. And and but he just it, it just cut through. And I don't care what yep. person you are and what part of society is. Like yep. everyone just thought. Brilliant answer. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant this answer. Is, and and, just, and for, just for colourful people who don't know, uh, the PM was asked about the price of bread and milk, so he didn't know. Albo was asked the same thing and forgot something else. And then Adam Bant was asked the same sort of gotcha question. Yeah. And, and the response was Google it, mate, which is just... Yeah, you know, the figure. Yeah. He, and, then he, and then he went on to say, which the whole, the whole response was brilliant. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. so Google it, mate. I don't know what the <clears> figure, and I'm not going to play this stupid game, yeah. and I see what you're doing. Yeah. By the way, here's what matters. And he just laid it out. Now, you might agree or disagree, but he didn't play this stupid soundbite re you know, pre-rehearsed uh, focus group studied BS <laughs> that everyone plays in roles, and exactly. they wonder why people are politically disengaged. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know. Totally. So anyway, anyway, I used to I used to think politicians actually care that we don't respect them. I've I've come to a view that the vast majority don't care because it's too hard to. It's just it's just they don't they don't want to make the change that is required, and so you yeah. just don't bother. Like, why why, why do they make the change for people to respect them? So, well, they don't need it. They just you know if you're, if you're the least worst option, you normally get elected. It's uh, it's a anyway. Let's get away and from we politics. Get, we get the politicians we deserve, right? So yes, we do. Of, it's, it's our it's all our collective fault. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. So I found out this morning. This is again Wednesday morning. And you, I don't know if you've seen this. I think, I think we, you were included on a tweet from one of my followers, one of your followers. Australians are the richest people on earth. Yeah. Uh, and what I, you know what I love about this? And I, I will give credit. Well, well, 
I'll give half credit to the, to the article writer. This was in The Fiend. It's a Credit Suisse bit of research. And they talked about the median Australian as opposed to the average Australian. I'll, I don't want to mm-hmm. get caught up in mathematical definitionalism. I think that's a word, but it is now. But I will for a second because it's worth explaining. Uh, but normally, oh, the average Australian X, the average Australian Y. And most statisticians will say, well, it's not very useful, and I'll explain why in a minute. But this time they went with the median Australian. I thought, oh, that's good. And I realised that that's because we're the number one country when it comes to the median Australian. We're number four when it comes to the average. So if you're a headline writer, you want to write the headline that says we're number one in the world, which is what they did. But at least this time around, the two, the two lined up. Uh, now, median Australian, the median of anything is the middle value. Not averaged out, literally just counted. So there's line every line every Australian up yep. from wealthiest to least wealthiest, yes. and then go halfway down that line. Correct. The person that is literally in the middle of that line is the median Australian. It's by uh, per adult, by the way, rather than per person. Not that it matters, but just so people know. And mm-hmm. the median Australian is worth two hundred and seventy-four thousand US dollars. Net four hundred and two thousand Aussie. There you go. Uh, that we we lead Belgium at two hundred sixty-eight thousand. I'll, I'll go back to the US with Australia just to put in context just, uh, you're right to, to um, uh, you're right to to convert it maybe just, just so 274 yep. US for Australia 268 for Belgium 231 for New Zealand 202 for Hong Kong 171 grand for Denmark then Switzerland Canada Netherlands UK and France uh, and I just thought it was interesting by the way France at 10 is 139,000 US dollars we are literally twice as wealthy the, the median Australian I'm going to say we you've got to be careful mm. the median Australian is twice as wealthy as the medium French man or woman, which mm. I think was mm-hmm. you know pretty pretty cool. Uh, not 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 we you know not, uh, and the other thing by the way, it's like comparisons are kind of not always super useful, but it's just yeah you know, it's good to know. Here's the thing, and you mentioned this before, mate. This is when you mentioned the US and, and UK. I, I kind of want to come back to that because the average Australian is has a wealth of five hundred and fifty thousand dollars US. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. two seventy, almost exactly double, which is again is useful for my for my purposes here. Uh, two seventy three thousand, two seventy four thousand is the median Australian, but the average is five fifty. And why the big difference? Well, when you lined everybody up left to right, richest to poorest, that would give you the median. If you then scale them by height based on how much money they actually had mm-hmm. and worked out Gina the average, Reinhardt up there and right, right. up there. Yeah. And, and it's kinda of like this is a little bit like shares, I'm not gonna get into the, the why for a second, but you know, Twiggy's worth what's Twiggy worth? 20 billion more uh, than me right and so, <laughs> more and than so, you well, well here's the thing if you had if you had one person worth 20 billion and you had 10 people worth exactly zero the average yeah. wealth of those people is still 1.9 billion dollars mm-hmm. right and that's why this matters because you can't get negative and so the, the the number of wealthy people really drag this out but here's the thing number one is switzerland so that's interesting number two average is the u.s so the u.s is the second richest country on average but doesn't even make the top 10 when it comes to the median citizen so again, again, it, comes, it comes back to the, this spread. It's a correct. very long, flat tail correct, in the US correct. and, and in, in, in um, uh, England in particular. Yep. 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 Uh, the, yeah, sorry, interrupted. But that's, that's, no, that's the that's explanation. Exactly, that's exactly, that, exactly. They, they are poor countries with yes. a very, very concentrated rich elite. And I am going to, I made the point on Twitter, I'm not going to apologize for this, but you may have a different perspective, that I think, you know, the media is full of stuff that is wrong or bad or should be fixed. And that's kind of appropriate, right? You want the fourth estate, you want public policy, you want people thinking about what is broken and what can we fix. But I think all too often we actually kind of forget to actually kind of celebrate the stuff that actually matters, that works, that's going okay. And I think it's worth you know it's worth doing both at the same time. I had some people say, well, yeah, but 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 this is about that. So like, yeah, the butts the butts aren't wrong, right? It's not it's not a matter of the butts being wrong, but I also think it's just worth saying, 
you know what? <laughs> Literally around the world, we're the fourth richest on average. We are the richest by median. Uh, you know, it's tiny as an economy because of a small number of people, as you say, Ram. So it's you know, it matters. But I just thought it was worth. I thought it was worth making the point. And by the way, that also implies that our wealth distribution is better than most other countries on that on that basis. Yeah. You know, if your if your median and mean can be so close together in terms of the, the rankings, as I said, the yep. Yanks are five hundred eighty thousand dollar average, but their median doesn't even get to number ten. I said France was one hundred and forty grand, couldn't get mm. close to the French, right? Uh, Kiwis, by the way, do a really good job. They are third median and fifth average so that's pretty good um switzerland as i said number one for the means a massive whole lot of rich people in switzerland obviously but even their median is still meaningfully below ours about 100 grand below ours so you know for all of the talk about some of the stuff that other people do better and, and we can learn from them we shouldn't race the rest in our laurels and you know there's reasons why we should try and improve and change things i don't know mate i just I, part of me is like you know what we don't have to say yeah but we can't we can't think this is okay because there's other problems like, you know what both can be true at the same time am i am i right or am i way off the deep end Oh, I'm glad we're on both of those lists. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I say Better I'm glad being, because because right? <laughs> I live here. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I want to live in a I want to live in a country. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is is wealthy. I mean, who who doesn't, right? And and by, why wealth? I'm not just talking about a big number. I'm talking about you know that just has all the, the accoutrements mm-hmm. that that come that come with wealth. <laughs> you know, safety, security, the ability to pursue things that make you happy. I mean, yeah, huge yeah, things, yeah. right? Just massive things. So it's it's great. It's great. Yeah. At the same time, though, it is it is worth asking the question: Is well, why is it that some countries differ on this? What are the things that you really want society to be? You know, here's the funny thing: is a lot of researchers have done studies into wealth, and rich people tend to be as miserable as the rest of us. And the thing that really matters to how wealthy you feel is your peer group. Um, so, uh, if 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 let's say that you're worth ten million dollars, you know, so I'll, I'll I'll average down a bit from your true um, standing. Have I lost you? Are you still on the line? I'm still here. I'm listening. I'm waiting. Okay. <laughs> I was no, trying I'm to waiting. bait you into a comment there, and I thought, wait uh, a no, second. No, no, I was, I was, I was waiting out. for you to finish. Okay, so, so you've only got ten million dollars. Yeah. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. No, I'll say. Um, I, I do. I was talking about me, me. Sorry, mate. I, I misunderstood. You're talking about the, the, uh, the, the general me, the, the right, royal right, plural. You don't have the hundreds of millions that, that we all know that you do. Let's live in this little world for fuck us. I've got ten million. What am I doing with it? Okay. But all the friends that you hang out with and that you see are worth $30 million. Well, so mate, I spend more got, time with you than anybody you, else other than my family. So that, that makes you the $30 million man. So go on, keep going. You know, so you're driving your Porsche, <laughs> you've got your five houses, your mansions and the rest. But it just turns out that, you know, well, I've got a power yacht and I've got five Bentleys mm-hmm. and I've got the, you, you're going to feel poor. You're actually going to feel pretty bad about your situation and your station in life. It's just how it is. Same if you go to a very, very poor, impoverished country. Mm. And you're living in a mud hut, but everyone else is is living under a, a, a straw outcrop, yeah. you know. And it's just sort of like, and I've I've got electricity. I mean, I'm, the, I'm I am incredibly wealthy, and everyone looks at me with envy, and I actually feel pretty good about my scenario. That's just how we're built, and evolutionarily, we haven't changed that much in the last hundred thousand years. So it's sort of, I think it's it's it. What it says to me is that it, what the real things that matter that wealth brings, safety, security, all of those kinds of things that 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 are really a matter. After a certain point, it becomes very arbitrary, mm-hmm. and when you tend to find, if you ask that when they do other measures of which is the best country to live in, yeah. and it goes beyond just these numbers, it's yeah. it's actually the flatter societies tend to tend to be the more. Uh, there's much less violence there's much less crime it's much more safe there's much more social mobility so anyone can be born into any kind of circumstances and through hard work and ability and a bit of 
you know, winning of the genetic lottery can, can do very well on that. Yeah. And someone who isn't as is fortunate might not aspire to the lofty peaks of, of you know, the, the possibilities of humanity, but, you know, are going to be well fed with a roof over their head and can feel safe at night. I think, right. I, so, I, so I think it's, I think we love these league tables, particularly when we're doing well on oh, them. Oh, totally. That's what we talk about. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you've got you to broaden it out yeah. and ask yeah. what, it, what it really means, what it entails, how it's shared and all the rest of it. Because at the end of the day, mm. you know, why, why have $100 trillion if you're still miserable? Yeah. You know? well. And everyone around you is, is, is impoverished. Don't, so, don't they uh, say it's better to be miserable with $100 million and tr- miserable and broke? But, but other than that, yeah, it's I'll a good Woody take, Allen quote of point. that. Yeah, forget exactly. That, uh, yeah. By the way, I did, while you were talking, I, we did a little bit of research on this program. I actually looked up the United Nations Development Report, uh, which does oh, actually yes. rank those things. We are eighth, believe it or not, yeah. which is pretty impressive. Yeah, Behind really, Norway, really Ireland, great. Switzerland, Iceland, Hong Kong, Germany, Sweden. And Australia and Netherlands tie for eighth, so it's, it's pretty. Uh, I, I, honestly, I'd, be, I'd really struggle to think of other places where I would live. You mentioned yeah. New Zealand; yeah. that'd certainly be up there. You know, some of the Nordic countries are, are, are really mm-hmm. uh, great for all of that kind of stuff. I, you know, we're talking a lot lately about uh, fuel security, food security, all these mm-hmm. stuff that's sort of going on in the world. And you, mm. you mentioned how lucky we are as a country. It's like, here yeah. we are in a country yeah, which yeah. has an abundance of all of those things. We, we produce more <laughs> food and energy than we yeah. consume ourselves. So if the world really does go to hell in a handbasket, yeah. it's just like, oh my gosh. Roll at, the, roll at the barbed wire and we're completely fine. Yeah, exactly. We are, we are so yeah. lucky, you know, yeah. we really are. And, and it's a very, very big continent as well. Mm-hmm. So even when some parts are suffering from drought and other sort of natural kind of issues, yeah. Yeah. There's, a, there's a good diversity there. So it's just sort of like, go Australia. Is all I'm saying. Is, you know what I find funny, mate? And that's, like, I don't want to get too far off the topic either, but we will because we do. Um, I, I really struggle with the general, oh, everything's so terrible because. You know, even, even as you're saying all those things, someone out there is thinking, and God love you for thinking this, someone is thinking, yeah, yeah, but, but, but there's this and there's that. And it's kind of like, I don't know, mate. I, I, I'm going to say, it's, like, it's almost like the people who have been perpetually you know, calling for a bear market for the last 48 years. You know, it's like, you know, I, I get it, yeah. but A, you're probably a miserable bastard if you don't mind me saying so. And B, yeah. it's like, you're kind of missing the point, you know? Like, I, and it's not, again, I absolutely believe in making change and improving the country. You know, I just spent 50 minutes banging on about ways that it should be done from politics and other things. And frankly, mm. when, we do our, when we do our tangent podcast, we'll talk about some of the other stuff maybe. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's I, I just, it just frustrates the hell out of me that people can't say, you know what? That is spectacularly great. You're right, Scott. Or whoever, not me, but you know. Mm, and yeah. by the way, we also got to remove fix those other things as well. I just well. want people to say you're right, Scott. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, but imagine how much better it would be if we fix these things as well. Like, yeah, good point. Great point. Yes. It's yeah, wonderful it to be this good. wealthy yeah. and we could be even better. How good would that be? Rather yeah. than, yeah, yeah, but. It's like, oh, well, sure. It's, it's, dude, a mix, you know? it's a mixture of celebrating what's worth celebrating, but yeah. also recognizing that things can, you know, you can be constructive yes. and realistic and, and aim for something even, even totally. better. And, and totally. You don't want to rest on your laurels, you know. I was accused of gaslighting uh, uh, people I, who didn't have houses because I shared that that link on Twitter. And I'm kind right, of like, right. get, yeah. just I, I, I don't I don't know what to do with that. You know, it's kind of like, really, you know. And, and look, yeah. does it matter? Of course it does. Of course it does. And if you know, housing's a large part of this, and we we, we haven't had the housing conversation, thank God, because our listeners have probably heard it before. Super <laughs> is a large part of this, by the way, as well, which is fantastic. Yeah, is. And part of the reason yeah. we're so much wealthier is because our retirement savings pool, fourth largest in the world. For our tiny population, as you said, mate, thirteenth biggest economy, fourth largest retirement savings pool. Um, yep. You know, it just it, it just drives me slightly really nuts. You, people like that, you kind of think, you know, you're having a birthday party, someone be sulking in the corner, or it's just like, oh come on. Anyway, yeah. anyway, no, no. Mate, I hear you. Um, I hear you. So the bad news for you and I, I mentioned at the top of the show, bad news for you and I, uh, we apparently are the last of a dying breed. Uh, working from home apparently is bad. 
And uh, and the good news is, the good news, I know this. I know this because the statement was made by 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 that great researcher and academic, that great understander of social trends, that great unbiased, unaligned. I'm kidding, of course. It was by the CEO of Charter Hall, <laughs> which, by the way, manages offices. <laughs> so apparently. According to the bloke who runs an office trust, office property trust, uh, working from home is bad. Which surprised me, mate, because next thing you know, online, online, uh, online e-commerce websites will be saying it's bad to shop in physical retail, and, and barbers will be telling us we need haircuts. And, oh, and mate, how many gas point, executives have we had saying Australia needs <laughs> gas lately? Like <laughs> gas late recovery, we've heard that one too. Just there's, there's a discussion to be had there, but like, come on, man, do I? You're a little biased here. <laughs> I just, I just thought, and you know, I. And look, I love the poor journos who've got to pump out 54 stories a day and they, you know, journalism by press release, unfortunately, is a, is a thing these days because they're just massively mm. overworked and I don't know whose fault it is. The papers are probably fold if they didn't do the content, but if they do the content, then it's a bit of a waste. And there's some spectacular journos, by the way. I'm not bagging journos at all. There's some, we are, we are incredibly, incredibly lucky to have some wonderful journos, but man, I, like, you know, seriously, and that got reported. Yeah. Of course it got reported and then it started the conversation and so on and so forth. I, um, I said before, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm 99.4% sure I've said on the podcast, but tell me if I haven't. I have zero doubt that if I grabbed a basket of, not even, not even selectively, not, not, even, not even kind of objectively chosen companies, if I got a representative basket of companies that allowed workplace flexibility and put it up against another basket of companies that didn't allow workplace, that people, maybe people come back to the office, I would put a very, very large amount of money on that first basket beating the second one. I just, oh, think, yeah. it's a, I just think it's a no-brainer, mate, because I think, mm. you know, think about what happens to the staffing at those places. Where do the best people want to work? Not necessarily from home only, mm. but they sure as hell don't want to be forced to go to the office five days a week. And they'll right. simply say, well, thanks, but I'll choose the company. I'll, I'll go and work for the company. That yep. gives me the most flexibility. And when you do that at scale, what happens? Well, the best people can and will leave and they'll be more qualified and more likely to get the jobs in those better companies. So what happens? You have this really significant... Um, uh, <laughs> I would say immigration of talent, but you've got this, you know, serious move of talent from one set of group companies to another. And yeah, the companies that enforce workplace, you know, rigidity might say, well, I'll pay you a bit more and maybe that works for a while and whatever. But if you're a really good person, you can be paid even half of what you're worth and you get to be flexible, happy and all that kind of stuff. Again, I'm not saying work mm. from home is the only solution or even the best solution for some mm. people. But just the, the, the idea that somehow working from working from home is, you know is, is going to kill the economy and all that kind of stuff I just I just find it laughable oh it is it's com- it's completely laughable and here's the other thing as well as you treat people like children they're like like children yeah. you know I like, go <laughs> you, know, you want me to be in the office yeah, I've got no choice yeah. okay and I have to wear a full suit be suited and booted in the room you know what I'm going to do as soon as your back is turned I'm just going to flick yeah. my screen yeah. onto you know pong or something and just play play yeah. games all day I'm just I'm whether you like it or not I I will find I'm Humans are very creative. We will find ways to bludge around. If we're disenfranchised and, you know, demotivated and just going to be always assumed to be trying to, you know, take the proverbial, then, then you know, that, that's, that's, that, it's really counterproductive from management. Management that gives you, gives you agency and gives you, just basically puts the conditions in place for you to flourish as best as you can is, uh, uh, you're going to love working there. Uh, you know, it's, you're actually probably going to be able to afford them, pay them a little bit less because of all the other sort of, fringe benefits that sort of come with, oh, totally. with such a wonderful place like totally. that. It's just, it's a people, the real, the real entrepreneurs and, and, and business leaders get this. That's they the know thing. it. And that's what I'm saying. You know? That's why the people are going to go work for the Atlassians and the whoever's who say, yeah. come to office four times a year. 
And they, they come they yep. come off they want, but they only have to yep. go four times. It's like, oh, great. Well, I was already a good company. It was already good people. Even more good people are going to want to go there. What happens? Yeah. That company ends up with more good people. They do a better job. So what that, what that means is they get more good people. It just, I, I find it that- It feeds on itself, doesn't it? Doesn't because it? the people people who yeah. don't do that get yes. get the, get the worst of the worst yeah. and then just get, oh, I can be bothered even leaving because it's all too hard. So I'm just going to- And you're just like, I oh, see, I knew everyone's, you know, yeah. this is why I need to keep them here. And this is why I just, <laughs> it's so- I worked it's for so a, ridiculous. Yeah, and then, and then this yeah. guy, the, the Charter Hall guy, basically saying, well, you want to think carefully about it because otherwise you'll get replaced by robots. And my <laughs> response to that was like, do you honestly think that executives at any business have an option in the, in the back pocket that actually I could replace all of this stuff with someone who doesn't <laughs> yeah. have a union, yeah. who doesn't yeah. sleep, who never is sick, who doesn't have any, you know, and 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 I, I'll buy this, I don't know where you're getting these robots from, and I'm going to buy this, maybe Elon's going to make some at the end of the year, he reckons. So, you know, we'll buy these robots off of Elon. Oh, but look, they've been coming into the office, so I just, I'm not going to play that card. That's right. like, give me, give me a I'm, I'm only, only going to buy the robots if the people work from home. If they come to the office, I won't buy the robots that are much, much better than the people I have working for me. Like, and the, the difference is so break. fine that yeah. it's worth having them if they work in the office, but it's not worth having them if they work from home. It's just, it's madness. No, it's you're, you're it's madness. Right. Look, the, the, the REIT sector is an interesting one just to sort of <laughs> pretend that this is a finance-focused <laughs> podcast for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, oh, man, talk about behind the curtain. Now you've given the whole illusion away. Well, so REITs are interesting, right? So the Real Estate Investment Trust, mm-hmm. like as Charter Hall is one, yep. they buy commercial property, industri- industrial <laughs> property, et cetera, et cetera, and they... And they're landlords, you know, they, yep. they rent it out. It's sure, all yeah. about getting occupancy and the rest of it. So they're having a hell of a time as this 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 summit, they, the AFR, which which is running summits left, right and centre. I think they've worked out that it's a good business model. So they're doing, they're doing summits every day of the week. And, and on this latest one, a lot of the executives in these places are saying, actually, it's really tough. And, and I'll, I'll understandably, because we've had this big structural shift away from the office, sort of forced upon it initially. And now it's just like where everyone's worked out that it's just far, far better not to. So they talked about North Sydney, um, like a ghost town, like so much spare yeah. capacity yeah. that's there. Parramatta, the same, just to be um, a, a little bit um, uh, Sydney focused for a moment. Mm. Um, doing it really tough. Add to that, you're, you're seeing now... Uh, not to get too technical, but these these assets tend to get valued according to what they call capitalization mm, rates, mm. cap rates, and and it's basically just a reverse way of thinking about yield. So, you know, if something will be valued at say five percent, well, what's the income that this this property throws off? If it's valued at a five percent cap rate, I just you know multiply that by twenty to get the value of the asset. That's how things are sort of carried on the books. It's how things are sort of thought about. And it's clever, mate, because well, it doesn't actually start with what's the property worth and then work backwards to calculate the yield. You say, well, yes. I know how much the rent yeah. is, and yeah. I know what the risk-free rate is. I know what I know what interest rate I should use. So if I just yeah. multiply those together. I, I can actually work out the value. It's it's a much. I mean, you got to, the inputs. There's still two of what you got to. One's absolute. One you got to assume, and the, and the third is calculated. So it works both yeah. ways. But it's like it's a quite a clever way of doing it. It's a really clever way of doing it. Now let's let's break it down. So we've just said that the the income part of it is 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 falling mm, because mm. there's just less tenants, yep. and you can't you don't have the pricing power that you used to have. So what tenants you do have? It's really hard to put through a rent increase mm. on. They'll just there's a million spare offices I can move into <laughs> if I need to. So so the income side of it, the rental side of it, the lease side of it is 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 under pressure. And at the same time as we talked about at the start of the pod, is that inflation's a real problem and. And interest rates are going up in, in consequence of that. 
So, so the risk-free rate's going up. So now I'm getting a now I'm having to be priced at higher cap rates at the same time that my incomes are under pressure. It's a, it's a pretty toxic mix. Yeah. And add to that, which we found out in in the GFC, is that these tend to be entities that carry a little bit of debt. And it makes sense because they're just not highly productive mm-hmm. assets as a general kind of rule. So to sort of juice things up, you take on a bit of leverage. And it's not a silly thing to do necessarily, you know, because they all, at the same time, they do tend to be, for the most part, pretty reliable earners. Um, but you just you, thro- you throw all of those three things into the mix together. And, yeah, it's, 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 it makes for a very challenging set of circumstances. Um, so one of the other comments I saw in, in the fin as a consequence of this, people saying, yep, you have to be very careful as an investor. Mm. Uh, you have to be pretty fussy on what you buy, which I always, I always agree with, but it always scratched my head. It's like, when is that not true? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know when it's not true? At the height of a bull market mm. in a buying frenzy when you need to be extra, which I would then argue, well, maybe maybe even then you should be extra careful. <laughs> but I think, it's, I, think it's, I think it's worth pointing out that for anyone who is, uh, and I know income investors tend to love it because of the, the yields that they can, they can generate, just be fussy with that. Look at the assets that they're holding, look at the occupancy rates, look at the balance sheet, look at the debt structure, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just 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 try to focus on the really high quality ones with a strong balance sheet, because they'll actually probably emerge out of this whole affair in a much stronger position as others go to the wall. That was the lesson of the GFC, because mm-hmm. these this as an industry got knocked for six, yeah. but the ones that were conservatively geared and had good quality assets with good quality tenants sailed, well, that's, that's not true. They didn't sail through it. They, they, they weathered the storm but they emerged out the other side with far less competitors and everything on fire sale that they could snap up and and do really well so yeah just just a word of caution for this sector i think that's right mate. i think that's right the only thing i want to add by the way is the massive operating leverage too despite all the thing you just talked about oh yes because yes if you've yeah. got you know if you're if you're if you're making online software right you you make it once you sell it a million times the product cost is pretty much nothing right and yes you've got to have staff and it's not, i'm not i want to i don't want to make too fine a a or too large a distinction between the two things but if you if you're a property owner you're making rent right but you you've you bought or you, you you have probably owed debt on or the asset value is the entire property and if you have 99 percent occupancy you can make a squillion dollars yeah but that occupancy only has to fall to what 90 percent maybe mate and you've yeah. wiped out your entire profit so it's not, it's not like it's not a linear thing where if the thing's half full, you make half the money. You make half the revenue, but the, the, the costs don't go away because these things are massive amounts of just massive equity just sitting around going, well, I'll wait till someone sits in me and turns my lights on. Um, yep. it's, so not only for all things you said, which are absolutely right, but the other thing I, I really dislike about this is the, is the operating leverage. Great when it works. If you, if you can find a property yep. that 80% operating leverage and then get it to 99%, you know, occupancy tomorrow, you'll make a fortune. Absolutely. Yeah, every, every incremental bit of rent is straight yeah. to the bottom line. Because, yeah, yeah, that's right. There's, yeah, you might have to, you know, might have to, I don't know, sweep the, the, uh, the pavement in front, of the, in front of the office. But other than that, you know, the thing's mm. there. It's, it, it, the cost doesn't yeah. change. But the revenue yeah. starts to come in, and as you say, it falls all the way to the, to the profit line. Hey, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's finish off, mate, with uh, one more. And this is, I, I will disclose again, as I've done before, I own shares in Fortescue. Uh, but I thought this was fascinating this week, mate. I'm, look, I'm a, I'm a card-carrying... Uh, member of the whatever strange society of people want to make climate change action a thing, uh, so put me down as a, as a, as a confirmed greenie. Uh, but I, I Twiggy is going to spend nine point or four excuse nine point two billion dollars, nine point two billion dollars to make Fortescue carbon neutral by twenty thirty. Hmm. 
Mm. And just let that sink in for a second. So I guess the first thing, $9.2 billion stands alone, right? That's just a stupidly large number. I think that's US dollars actually too from memory. Um, just stupidly large number. Second, 2030 is eight years away. Now, on one hand, there's plenty of people who believe in climate action as I do who say, well, the sooner the better, obviously. But mm. the iPhone's only 15 years old. You know, to, to, to completely resupply every bit of Fortescue's and so net zero, so I, I won't say it's, you know, there's no, no fossil fuels involved, but to retool the entire energy supply chain of, of Fortescue so that in eight years' time you can be carbon neutral, that is a f- so super fast and a massive amount of money. Just just worth thinking about those two things. But the eight-year thing, mm. eight thing is not only super fast, but it's a reminder that a lot can change, right? Touchscreen phones weren't a thing in 2007. January 1, 2007, no one had a touchscreen phone. They didn't exist. And now we couldn't imagine them not being here. So eight years, um, a lot can be done and will be done. The other thing I want to mention, though, mate, this is where it gets big, I think. For all of the, for all of the environmental credentials, and that, would, that, in my view, should be enough to do it anyway, really honestly, a lot of people disagree with me. I don't, I don't mind that. Um, but they are going to reap a bonus benefit of about 1.2 billion Australian dollars a year yes. from making this change. The point I was going to make. Yep. And well, yep. and that's and that's why I think it's so, and that's why I want people to listen to this because, as investors, now by the way, I think there's also possibly we've talked about the possibility that coal coal mines are still attractive investments given how bloody cheap they're and how much free cash they're throwing out. So I'm not even taking one view or the other. I'm not saying you can't invest in coal mines and do well because Twiggy's changing stuff. All I am saying is if you think about the changing energy mix, if it if it makes sense for Twiggy to splash nine point two billion dollars and and I think I might be mixing my current stuff here, mate. So if you've got the numbers, correct me. But it's one point two billion, I'm sure, Australian a year is the saving mm-hmm. from doing this. That's a that's a what? It's a seven and a half year, you know, um, payback period. Mm. After that, that saving is effectively permanent until you know there's probably some capex and repairs and maintenance and whatever. But if you can spend nine billion dollars, pay it back in seven and a half ish years, and then keep making that saving forever, this goes from being an environmental question to a to a commercial question super super quickly. And whether you're looking at a business that is not making those investments now. Whether you're thinking about it, you're investing in a company who is supplying part of that fossil fuel mix that may not have as much business at some point. And look, there are you know developing countries that will continue to coal for a long time. So again, I'm not I'm not even making the case for either or. I'm just saying when it makes so much environmental sense and economic sense, and when people are prepared to throw billions of dollars to make this change and benefit from it. I'm a look. I'm a Fortescue shareholder, so I guess I have a skin in the game. But I don't. It's not that biggest position. I don't really care that much. Um, so maybe I talk about my own book, so keep that in mind if you're listening. But I just, I just thought it was, I thought it was fascinating, mate. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I think so too. I mean, it just, uh, it, it, it's always good to get away from ideology, no matter what, even if it's ideology you agree with. Right? Yes. It's just we are, we are talking business here, and if there is a cheaper, more efficient way of doing it, mm. then you should do it that way. Mm. <laughs> Like, I don't yep, know totally why right, yep, yep. that even needs to be uh, expanded upon. Like, <laughs> exactly. Do you know? It's, yes, it's yes. Sort of, and if it, if it has a whole bunch of related downstream yep. benefits and yep. what it cuts out a bunch of externalities, I mean, all the better. Yeah. So I agree with everything you said. And the other thing that I would just add to, to that is that where I, I, I really um, – uh, what's the word for it? I, I really sort of congratulate people like Twiggy is because they show the way. I mean yeah. – we can all sort of agree on something yeah. as a good idea, but we're all social creatures. Yeah. We're all look for social proof. Mm-hmm. And it's all sort of good where some wide-eyed 
uh, optimist analyst sort of comes out and lays out the case for you and that's all good, but it all sounds a little bit risky <laughs> and a little bit airy-fairy to the boardroom, you know. Yeah, yeah. When you see a company like Fortescue Metal, and that, look, this could fall flat on its face, mm -hmm. so let's bear that in bear that in mind but let's yeah, say that yeah. they go ahead and they show this they what they show the world that it can be done and then things things change very 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 slowly until they don't in all kinds of domains but i think this is a very apt um situation here potentially mm. we're kind of like we all probably suspect that the world's going that way eventually but it's those brave if i can use that word souls mm. that go yeah no i'll i'll, I'll go first I'll do it. I'll put my hand up. Let me do it and put my money where my mouth is. And then it, then it, then it becomes the game theory is I think the way you've got to think about this, right? Because it goes from, oh, I don't know. It sounds good. Well, no one else is doing it. And it's like, well, actually Fortescue's doing it and they just saved a billion a year. What? Oh, actually now BHP and Rio, I've done it. Too. Have they really now? And then it's just like, you know, beware the, the, the board and executive team that doesn't do it because shareholders mm -hmm. begin. what the hell are you guys doing yeah. oh yeah but we didn't know if that was going to be supported or you know legislative uncertainty it's like guys pull your fingers out and get it done because look over there you're not this is this has got nothing to do with anything other than you guys are being left in the in the dust here and at a massive competitive disadvantage um and so i just i just really congratulate those first movers because it is it is risky it is always risky to be first um and and yeah so full credit to twiggy yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's worthwhile. And I just, I guess, for all that, mate. Just the, the last point for me is reiterating a point that I made, and you kind of touched on at the very beginning of your of your answer. Is just that I don't use the word revolution, but I do mention the iPhone kind of deliberately because if this all of a sudden is now maybe for the first time able to be done profitably at scale, and it's a new way of doing things, then I I, I tweeted the other day. Um, Change happens so incredibly slowly for such a long time, and then happens overnight. And you underestimate both of those things at your, mm -hmm. uh, at, at mm -hmm. your apparel, right? It takes a long time to come. Is it coming? Is it coming? Or maybe eventually, eventually, I'm sure it's coming. Flying cars, maybe they come, maybe they come, maybe they're coming. In two mm -hmm. years, it'll go from prototype to, oh my God, we're all, drive, we're all flying flying cars, right? Yeah. And, and so, you know, has, has yeah. this kind of technology been coming forever? Yes. But gee, if it's, if it's here-ish, and then it becomes, you know, past that tipping point. Then all of a sudden, it's all say, buggy whips tip, and tipping cars, points. right? Yeah, exactly, yep. exactly. Yep. Inflection yep. points, tipping points—they're all—they're all a phenomena on whatever kind of thing you want to look at. Where it's the adoption of the steam engine, electric power, telephony, computers—you know—they all—they all sort of, as you say, they're miles out, and they just take—you know—just the change is forever away, and then it happens, and then, geez, it happens really rapidly, and yep. and. Yep. It, you know, you don't. You, there is a real cost to being too early. Uh, there's people in the '80s who, who foresaw the internet, but you know, waiting, waiting uh, 30 years for that to really sort of play out was was a painful kind of wait. But there, there do yes, uh, yes. there do come times, I think, when it's kind of like you you are outside of that, um, beyond those early adopters, and it is now on the mainstream path. It's crossed the chasm to use the lingo. <laughs> uh, that's a very interesting mm, place to be. Mm, mm. It is indeed. And an interesting place to finish, mate. I reckon we're probably done for today for our mm -hmm. pre-Memorial yep. Day taping, but our post-Memorial uh, publication of this particular podcast. Will you come back on Sunday? I will. I will, yeah, man. Think I, about I, that I was going to say, there. I, I, well, I was just thinking, yes. well, post-Memorial is like, but we're putting a public holiday on a Thursday, and I think the Victorians get Friday off anyway. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go out on the limb and say most of Australia <laughs> is taking Friday off. Oh, this is so like it's going to be a memorial stuff. long you're, you're weekend. You're always on holidays. You're always working, one of the two. <laughs>
<laughs> yes, I will be taking Thursday off. I will be working Friday. I have uh, I have some commitments to, to attend to, but uh, oh, the there's one. There's one, one Australian. If, doing if the boss carry, isn't listening, yeah. it may not be. It may not be a full work day. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> if he is listening, of course I'll be here. I'll be here from seven till six, and you, uh, I, I won't look up at once other than to have something to eat. Anyway, mate, uh, I will talk to you on Sunday. In the meantime, full on, full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.